Well, good morning and welcome to Next Community Church. And uh, it's good to be together with you. My name's Joe, one of the pastors here. If you're a guest or a visitor here this morning, welcome. Thanks for coming out this rainy morning. We are honored that you're here. We pray that you would feel welcomed. And um, wherever you're at on your spiritual journey, we want you to know that we are, are super thankful that you're here. And we pray that you would um, know how much God loves you. And, um, and we're, we're thankful that you're here being part of our family gathering. That's what we believe. Church is a family. Um, it's a family of believers living life together and trying to love each other and love our world. And so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about getting very serious about our identity, our calling, our responsibility, our role, really our privilege of, of engaging with who Jesus called the lost of the world. Those that don't know him, they don't believe in him, they don't follow him. Jesus himself said that he is the way. And so if you don't know the way, we said you're, you're, you're lost. And so, so um, it's not that we're better than them. It's not they're the bad guys, we're the good guys. It's the fact that they are spiritually blinded. They don't know Jesus Christ. And so um, we've been learning these last few weeks that God very much wants us to be involved in the mission of bringing hope, love, and truth to the lost. And... Um, for many of us, this is a challenge. This is a part of the Christian life that it's difficult. But we shared last week a very, what I hope was a very practical, uh, a very simple, I think effective and non-threatening way to engage with lost people. And that is a very biblical method of seeking to be a blessing. We talked about our approach of B-L-E-S-S. We said this is a great way to simply just um, engage with people and God has blessed us and we're supposed to bless others and we gave you these neat little cards and we came up with the idea of the blessing wall where we wanted you to put things on the blessing wall that you're doing as a testimony and we just get to look not about we're bragging don't put your names up there we just want to be able to see look at all the tangible ways the church is blessing our community and so I want to encourage you to do that keep doing that I want you to stop every week and I want you just to scan the board and I want you to read the different things that are happening get new ideas and encouragement that you can keep on going to be a blessing, right? And so, um, so how's, how's, that, how's that been going this week? I got one good and a bunch of the, the blank stares. So, um, so it's okay. Maybe, um, right, get these cards. Don't forget them. Don't forget them. Keep, keep looking at them. Keep praying, asking God to show you to be intentional about being a blessing. And listen, let me, let me share this, and maybe this will be uh, uh, encouraging to you. Um, we're, we are hardly the first generation of, of Christians. <laughs> this little girl is just running down the aisle. Good save. She can come up if she wants. She'd probably be more engaging. Um, um, we're hardly the first generation of, of Jesus followers to ever um, experience um, challenges when trying to live out our faith and and advance God's kingdom, right? And and so when you and this is why it's good to read the Bible, and this is why it's even good to study church history. And when you do so, you understand that so much of the Christian faith 
has been kind of birthed under difficulty and challenges and opposition and that the culture isn't really about supporting us in our mission of kind of knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. We're hardly the first generation to have a difficult time doing this. But when you look back over history, what you find is that it's during these times of opposition and difficulty and persecution that the church of Jesus actually thrives because it, it, it awakens you like there's no half in, right? There's no like, because I mean, during severe times, you would be killed for your faith, right? So there's no like half in if you're about to be killed. Like you're either out or you were all in. And, and so it kind of um, supported and actually enhanced the mission of God. And sometimes it's good to look back on that because it can seem like kind of what we're experiencing or what our culture is like now is unique to us. And when you look back, you say there's nothing new under the sun is what Ecclesiastes says. And so that we're hardly the first to go through difficult times. Um, and, and, and what you're going to find if you do look back is the key to the growth of the church over the last couple thousand years has been people embracing difficulty and saying, I'm still going to be blessers in the face of that. No matter if the blessing comes back in return. We, we shouldn't be waiting for the culture to embrace us as blessers. It's, it's not going to happen. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to take what we started last week of learning to be blessers. And, and I want to take it a step further. And I want to, I want to actually get more practical and more specific um, because it would be easy. You got your little card and you put it on your dashboard or you put it on your fridge and it would be easy to just generically think, well, in general, I, I'm, I'm trying to be a blesser. I'm going to bless everyone. But, but in a sense, and I think this is true, it's almost like if, you, if it's something that you're doing and trying to do for everyone, you can almost wind up doing it for no one. It's almost kind of like it becomes kind of overwhelming or it can become kind of just watered down. And, and so this morning, what I want to talk to you about is being more intentional with who it is that you're blessing, with being very um, specific, actually, asking God to put specific people in your heart and on your mind, that you're going to live out this blessing. And the idea is that these are not these are not you know new people. These are not people that I'm asking you to kind of go out and start new ministries and create new opportunities. And and I, and I want you to do less so you can do more here. That's not what we're talking about. What we want you to do is actually be more intentional with what I'm going to call your sphere of influence. We all have spheres of influence. It is places that you already are. They're the circles of your life where you already exist. And so I'm not asking you to create new circles and get busier. I'm asking you to, to be more gospel intentional with where you're already planted, with the field that God already has you in. And so it, 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 it might, you can think of it this way. It might look like something like this. If we're calling them spheres of influence, we, we all have them. One that most of us have is that we, we have a place where we work. Where where you work is a place that you've already have existing relationships. You already go there every day. So um, what would it look like, not for you to create new things, but to be really gospel intentional at your workplace, or, 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 or students, you have a place, right, where you go every day. We call that place 
Uh, we call that place school. What if school was just not a place that you go and you kind of drudge through from eight to two, right? But, but, but school was a place where you said, you know what? I'm going to try and live out this stuff that we're talking about here. And as hard as it might be to be a light in my school, even though most other people might not understand that, right? What would it look like um, if we, we don't just live where we live, but we see ourselves in our neighborhoods that's his neighborhood. If we live in our neighborhoods and we're really intentional about our neighbors and our neighbors are not just our neighbors, but what if, what if we really believed the Bible? What if we really believed the names that the Bible puts on us like ambassadors and messengers and sent ones and light and salt and priests there's all the names the Bible gives us. And what if we really believe the Bible and we really live out those identities, those roles in our places? And, and so if we were to do that, what we would end up with is in every place of work. You know what there is? There you are. There is a priest that's there at work. You have an on-call clergy member at your place of work all the time. It's you. God in you seeking to live out this calling where you're at. Kids, you know, they're always trying to take prayer out of school, prayer out of school. You're, they're the, they don't even know. There's a, there's a missionary in school. There's a priest in school every, it, it, that they cannot remove. It's you, God in you, in school, right? Um, uh, maybe this isn't your sphere. Maybe you have another sphere. Some of you, I don't have this sphere, but some of you go to a gym, right? You go to that gym, that's your sphere of influence. And you have regular people that you come in contact with that you're going to say, let me be more intentional. If I don't just go here and work out, but if I go here and I'm going here with a spiritual purpose as well, right? So I'm not asking you to go to new places, start new things, do more. I'm asking you to be more gospel intentional with where you already are and to live out your identity as ambassadors and messengers and sent ones and priests where you are. In essence, to see yourself literally as a missionary in your sphere of influence, to be more intentional. And so some of you are like, well, I didn't, listen, I didn't sign up for this man. I didn't sign up to be a missionary or a priest or ambassador or all that. And I want to just tell you lovingly, yes, you did. Yes, you did. When you said yes to Jesus Christ, Jesus said, come follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so if you are a believer and a follower of Jesus, you've got to be about what Jesus is about. This is what we talked about the first two weeks. And so when you said yes to Jesus, you signed up to be about the family business. And the family business is all about people. And so, so all we want to do is be, now let's, let's, take our job serious. Let's do it, let's do it well. And so, um, so what would it look like for you to be intentional in your spheres of influence? Think of it like this. Jesus said this in Matthew 9. He said to his disciples, we read this verse a couple weeks ago, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. I mean, you just look out in the world and like the harvest is so ready. There's such need and such brokenness and people that so many people that need to know about Jesus. But man, there's not enough workers in the fields telling people about Jesus. So Jesus said, therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers out into his harvest. We looked at this verse a couple of weeks ago. And so here's what I want to tell you. You and I 
are already in the harvest fields. I mean, these are your harvest fields. You already exist. This is a harvest field. This is a harvest field. This is a harvest field. You are already there. And there's already workers there in these places. The problem is the workers are not doing their job. And so what would it look like if the workers awoke to the responsibility, the calling, and the privilege of being workers in God's harvest fields? And so that's what I want you to think of. I want you to change your mentality. Work is just not a place that you work. It's your mission field. School is just not a place you learn. It is your mission field. Your neighborhood is just not where you live. It is your mission field. It's where God has dropped you. And he has placed little missionaries all around this community. That's what Christian means. Christian means little Christ. And so you have Christ in you. And so he has placed himself all around these areas to be salt and light and love and hope and truth. And now we're going to be a little bit more intentional with how we're going to do this. How are we going to do this? I'm going to teach you a new, a new method, a new acronym today. And this might feel, listen, for church, this might feel a little... Um, seminarish, right? Or I uh, got the, the board out and we're going to give you acronyms and things like, but listen, we, we need to get really practical. I want to get really specific and really intentional. Um, because listen, I think time is, time is short, right? God's clock is ticking and, and, and there are people who do not know Christ all around us. And, and, and the church has been passive and asleep far too long. And, and it, I, I've been telling you, it's my conviction that that time is short. You know, I mean, look what happened this week with, with Ian uh, and uh, the devastation that was there. And do you know that um, Jesus said in last times that there's going to be all these natural disasters? Do you know that over the last 50, 60 years, natural disasters have increased, not doubled, not tripled, not quadrupled. They have Five quintupled, five times they have increased. Natural disasters have increased fivefold over the last 50, 60 years. It's just one of the signs of like, and so church, we just, we just, can't, we just can't be asleep at the wheel. We are God's plan A. There's no other plan. It's not like, well, if the church doesn't come through, God's like, I got this backup plan. I'm just going to make my giant hand appear in the sky and write in the clouds for the whole world to see. Believe in my son, Jesus. That's going to be my backup plan. If the church, there is no backup plan. We are his plan A, to bring the hope and the love and the truth of Jesus to a watching world. And so, yeah, we want to be specific and we want to be intentional and we want to actually do what we're called to do and not just assume somebody else will do that. It's all of us that are in to do this. So I want to help you do this. So I'm going to teach you a method on how do you engage with these people? How do we do if Okay, if I, I'm, a, I'm a missionary in my workplace, how do I do this? So I'm going to teach you a new method and it's going to be another acronym Okay, and, and each of these is going to stand for something. I'm going, to, I'm going to mix metaphors here a little bit. I'm going to teach you how to do CPR, okay? I'm going to teach you how to do CPR. Not, not, not cardiopulmonary resuscitation CPR, which is, which is uh, if I go down, right? I go down. Um, Fred, you'd come up and, no, you wouldn't. No, somebody, Susan would. Fred's like, nah, you're done, buddy. All right, well, Susan would come up, start, 
right, clear, doing all, like she got, clearly I, I'm not CPR trained, so, but somebody would, cardio, pulmonary resuscitation, somebody's heart stops, I'm going to try to bring, revive them and resuscitate them, right? It's a great thing, it's a great skill, it's a great thing to do, but if that were to happen to me, Fred gets out of the way, Susan comes up, brings me back, right? Eventually, eventually I'm still going to what? I'm still going to die. Right? You might say, and I might, you might give me another five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, but eventually, I mean, death bats a thousand. It's going to get all of us. And, and CPR, spiritually speaking, is, is reviving somebody's heart in a sense that you're actually giving them a new heart. You're giving them a spiritual life. You're, you're, you're giving them the gift of eternal life. And so CPR, earthly CPR is good. You're extending their life, but eventually their heart is still going to give out. Spiritual CPR is the process in which you, you are a part of giving them a brand new spiritual heart that gives them eternal life with Jesus. And so I want to talk to you about this, okay? If, um, if, if the fields are ripe under harvest, like Jesus said, and he's sending workers out into the fields, you don't just get to go out into a field. Now we're mixed metaphors here. Let's go back to the field and farming. If you were to go out into the field, you don't just start off by picking fruit, right? That's not how it, it works. The farmer has to begin way back, right? He doesn't even start just going out and spreading seeds. He has to go back before that. He has to go back and, and do what to the soil? He has to cultivate the soil, right? He had to start with a C because that's so cultivating. And this is the, this is the first process is that that you and I are going to learn to do cultivating to these individuals in our harvest fields. You say, well, what is cultivating people? What does that look like? Here's what cultivating with people is. It is simply lovingly being a friend to lost people. Lovingly being a friend to spiritually lost people. You're like, why would I do that? Here's why, because this is exactly what Jesus did. This is exactly what Jesus did, is he became friends with lost people. Listen, I want you to see this, okay? Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, and, and Jesus is giving the religious leaders who were like super bothered by Jesus, not doing all their super conformity religious things, and hanging out with the lost. And they got really bothered by Jesus hanging out with bad people. And so much so, they gave Jesus a nickname. Let's read Jesus talking about them. In Luke chapter 7, just as Jesus speaking, it says this. Jesus is saying, look, John the Baptist did not come eating bread or drinking wine, and you said he has a demon. Right? So John the Baptist was the prophet who said, hey, get ready, Jesus is coming. But he was a wild out there dude. He lived out in the wilderness. He wore camel's clothes, hair clothes. He ate wild uh, locusts and honey. Like he, he was an out there kind of guy. And they looked at him and they're like, this guy is nuts. He's not eating normal food. He's not drinking. He, he, he's got a demon. And then Jesus says, okay. Then the son of man came. And he did eat and he did drink. And you said, look at this guy. He's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Friend of sinners was the moniker they hung on Jesus. 
That's the nickname they gave to the Son of God, friend of sinners. You know, usually nicknames are earned. They're not given first meeting, right? And so I wonder, I wonder how long they observed Jesus' behavior of hanging out with spiritually lost people until they hung that name on him. Look at this guy, friend of sinners, right? This is what Jesus did. Why did Jesus do this? You want to know why? It's real simple. He loved them. He loved them. And that's what cultivating is. Cultivating is you taking the step towards people and loving them, being a friend to them, preparing the soil of their heart for what is about to come with the introduction of who Jesus is. You don't start there. You don't start off hitting them with the Bible, telling them they need Jesus. We don't start there. We start with just loving them and being a friend to them. This is a great way to start practicing bless. You start learning to eat with them and fellowship with them and have coffee with them and listen to what's going on in their lives and find ways to serve them. And all the while, you're praying for them, asking God, pray for them. God, give me courage. God, show me open doors. God, don't let me chicken out. God, let me be intentional at school today. God, show me at work today. Give me one opportunity today at work to be a blessing. This is where you start living out blessed in this cultivating phase. Why? That's what Jesus did. He was a friend of sinners. You know, one of the knocks against Christianity is our actions don't always match our words. Right? We say we love. We say we're about love. Our God is love. And, and yet sometimes we can sometimes come across as some of the most unloving people out there. Our actions don't meet our words. Our demonstration doesn't match our proclamation. And in the cultivating phase is where we lovingly just disprove that hypothesis. Where we lovingly say, we're going to serve you and we're going to care for you and we're going to help. We're just going to be a friend to you. That's cultivating. Not asking you to do anything different than to now be intentional where God already has you and begin to be specific about, God, put on my heart, who do you want me to start being intentionally blessing? Right? Not just, I'm going to bless everybody. What would it look like to be intentional in your spheres of influence to say, who am I going to bless? That's the, that's the cultivating phase. Okay? And so once, once you do that well, you're then ready to move on to the next phase. By the way, this is exactly what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, he said this, in the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and end up giving glory to our Father in heaven. Cultivating. Showing people that we genuinely love them. Right? Um, it's getting close enough to people so they can eventually see Jesus in you. We cannot point the way to Jesus from a distance. I'm glad Jesus didn't do that. What did Jesus do? Think about even what he did. He came down into our world and he engaged with us. He cultivated in a sense and came down into our broken world and entered in and befriended us. Jesus did this very thing. He entered in, 
with purpose to befriend people. And that's what we got to do. When you begin to do that, then you're ready to move on to the next phase, which we're calling the planting phase. After the farmer tills up the soil, some of you do this with your gardens in the spring, right? You start every spring, you turn the dirt over, right? You don't go out and first start throwing seeds down. First you cultivate, then you turn it up. Then you're able to carefully plant seeds, right? Then you're going to start planting seeds. And so this is what the next phase is, is planting is simply this. It's letting people know about your friend, Jesus. Actually, I want you to think of it like this. Think of it like this. It's, it's introducing your new spiritually lost friend that you've been building a bridge of relationship with and introducing them to your best friend, Jesus. This is what planting is. It's just introducing your two friends and that's natural, right? Don't we do that all the time? Don't you introduce people all the time? Hey, Mike, I want you to meet Bill. Then you know, we go way back and we introduce friends all the time. Now, what Simply Planting is, is introducing people or your, your new spiritually lost friend to Jesus, your best friend. I hope Jesus is your best friend. Um, he's a friend that is with you every day. He's a friend that impacts your life in a major way. Does he, does he not? I hope he does. Does Jesus impact your life? Does he not impact the way that you view life? Does he inv- impact the choices that you make, the way that you are in relationship? Does he impact your marriage? He impacts your parenting. Kids, does he impact the way that you respond to your parents? Does he impact the way that you view your purpose in life, your direction in life, the way that you handle finance, the way that you handle stress, the way that you're li- like Jesus impacts everything in your life. And so, listen, planting is simply letting your lost friends see Jesus in your life. You're not telling them they need Jesus in their life. You're not telling them they're bad for not having Jesus as their best friend. You're just telling them how he's your best friend. And that's planting little seeds. Next week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach you how to plant a little seed, a medium-sized seed, and a bigger-sized seed. And how to do it in a way that I think is natural and awkward. I mean, not awkward, not awkward. That's a problem. A lot of us are awkward when we try to do it, right? And so I'm, like, I'm, the, I'm building relationships. We're here at the coffee pot. It's Monday. We're talking about how the Eagles just won. And, and, you're, and then you're like, yeah. And in Isaiah 40, it says that we're going to mount up on wings like eagles. And, like, and, and, and your coworkers are like, what? And it's just weird and awkward. And you're one of those weird Christians. Don't do that, please. And if you do that, don't tell them you go to next, right? Like, so how do we do that? How do we do this in a way that is normal and natural and not weird and awkward? So next week, I'm going to teach you how to plant three, little, three different size seeds of where, listen, All you're doing is letting them see it's a window into how Jesus is real to you, how Jesus impacts you. And you're just going to plant little seeds of your best friend Jesus in your life. Meanwhile, you're still cultivating. You're still being a friend. You're still blessing them. Now you're learning to plant little seeds of Jesus into their life. This is an important thing to do because um, people will listen. In a recent study, 2019, so three years ago, a study was taken, a Gallup poll was taken, and here's what was found. 79% of unchurched people agree with the following statement. I don't mind talking to a friend about their faith if they really value it. 
that's almost eight out of 10 unchurched, spiritually lost people said, I don't mind talking with a friend, not a stranger who's hit me on the head with the Bible, but a friend that has become a friend. If it really is real to them, if Jesus is real to them, I don't mind talking with them about their faith. And so they will be open for you to plant little seeds of truth with them. We'll talk about that next week. And then, right, after you've cultivated the soil and then you plant little seeds and God shows up because, right, it, man, you just need God to provide rain and you need the sunshine and the nutrients and the dark, all of that, God shows up and finally you are ready to move into what for most of us is the most difficult phase, but the most important phase is what we just simply call the reaping phase, and the reaping phase is where you end up, you have to get to the point where you look your new loved friendship in the eye and you say, listen, i got to tell you the truth, that you need Jesus Christ in your life. He is the Savior of the world, and you have to say yes to Jesus Christ. Now, how do we do that? And how do we do it in a way, again, that it's not awkward and it's not confrontational and it's, right? We're going to talk about that next week, too. I'm going to teach you what I think is the most clear and simple and effective way using one verse from the Bible. So it's not you just giving some religious belief. You're using God's word, one verse from the Bible, in how to explain the good news of who Jesus is. I'm going to give you one verse from the Bible next week on how to do this. And this is important. This is important because, to be honest with you, it's at this point where many of us tap out. For the most part, we're good with these first two things. Many of us are good here. What? I will be nice, and I will serve, and I will help, and I'll stock soup kitchens, and I'll meet needs, and I'll make meals, and, I, and we'll do this. But then it stops short when you get to the point where you have to open your mouth and actually say the name Jesus. And a lot of us buy into the quote by St. Francis of Assisi who said this, preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. Now, there's two problems with this quote. Number one, it's been researched and pretty much proven, St. Francis of Assisi never said this. It is a misquote. It's been wrongly ascribed to him. Um, they've searched his writings, his, his sermons. Uh, it is nowhere in writing that he ever said this. Number two thing that's wrong with this is it's just not true. It's, it's just simply not true. It creates this false dichotomy of, of the gospel being like, well, it could be all actions or it could be words. And when, according to Jesus, it's... It's both. You see, Jesus did both. He engaged people, and he met their needs, and he told them the truth about who he was. And so here's, here's you know, I said a couple minutes ago that one of the knocks against Christians is that we're always kind of accused of saying that we love, but we don't love. Our demonstration doesn't match our proclamation. For some... It's the opposite of that saying. We're all about demonstration. We're, we'll, we'll, we'll help, we'll be good, we'll love, we'll serve, we're right. But then when it comes time for proclamation to proclaim that Jesus is the only way, we clam up and we don't know how to say it and we chicken out and we tap out. And so this is a problem. 
Church, this is a problem. And, and here's why this is a problem. <clears throat> it is simply impossible. It's impossible to preach the gospel without words. Nobody will ever come into the kingdom of God through you just being a nice person. And, and, and there's a whole movement today of the social gospel. And listen, it's good to meet needs. It's good to serve. It's good to help. I'm telling you, we need to do that. I'm telling you, this is the, the starting point of that. But we've got to move beyond that, where we, we know how to open our mouths and speak the name of Jesus. And again, next week, hopefully, be very helpful, very practical to you to help you to know how to do this. Um, it says in Romans chapter 10, this is the Apostle Paul. He says this, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? This is talking about the, the lost people of the world. How are they going to say yes to Jesus if, if they don't believe in Jesus? And then he asks another question. He says, well, how are they going to believe in Jesus if they've never heard of Jesus? And then he takes it a step further and says, well, how, how are they going to hear without someone preaching? And it would be easy to think, right, that's, that's why I'm going to invite my friend here. I'm going to bring him here. And then you tell him about it's about Jesus. But that is not what this word preaching means right here. That's not how Paul's using it. You can even just read the next verse. It shows he's not talking about a pulpit and a pastor in this verse. Here's the next verse. He says this, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? So he's not talking about, so Joe, you got to go out and tell the truth to everybody. He's talking about us as the church is that the church is living out our sentness. And so the only way that they can believe is if they hear. And the only way they're hearing is if the church is going to go. And that the only way they're going to go is if they're going to be willing to open their mouths and tell them the truth about Jesus. And then it says this, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, who bring the good news. Verse 17, so people are going to come to faith in Jesus by hearing about Jesus. And hearing is going to come through us bringing the word of Christ. And so we've got to be willing to go. And I, I don't want to steal from you what I believe is one of the greatest single most joys of life that we can experience here on earth. And that is this. You decide you're going to embrace your calling and your identity as an ambassador and as a messenger and as a priest. And you start living life on mission and being on purpose. And you start going into your spheres of influence. And you get up and you're praying. And you're praying for people. And you're saying, God, change my heart. And God, help me to love more. And you're praying for people. And you start working, cultivating. And you're figuring out ways to bless them. And you're trying different things. And you're building bridges. And months are going by. And you're like, I don't know, Lord, should I, should, am I ready to go to planting? And you're talking to the Lord. About, and you start going to planting. And you're dropping little God seeds in. And then you're like, and then they kind of start getting weird with 
with you because you brought up Jesus. And so you back off a little bit and you come back and you're like, Jesus, okay, help me to not to weird them out. And you keep coming back. And so you're doing this and you're going on and you're doing this for about a year, year and a half. And you've built this relationship with people and, and they are seeing Jesus in you. And now all of a sudden their life starts crumbling apart and they start talking to you about relationship issues or money issues. And how, how are you dealing with this? And you start opening up about how Jesus is real to you and helping carry you through times where you don't even know how you're going to make it. And they start leaning in more and you get ready to share the gospel with them and you stop and you say, well, you got to come to church because that's where the guy will do it for you. And I don't want to steal that opportunity from you. Do you know that 98% of Christians that attend church have never one-on-one led somebody across the line of faith? 98%. And it's because we don't know how to, what they say in the business world, close the deal. We don't know how to do it in a way where I'm awkward. I don't know how to explain Jesus, the cross, sin, hell, heaven, death. And so again, I pray, come back next week. I'm going to make a share your way that's super, super clear because I want you, listen to me, friends. I want you to experience what I think is one of the greatest joys in the whole world for you to be able to sit down and see somebody pray and say yes to Jesus and literally watch them cross over from death to life, from hell to heaven, and have eternal life. That is the most amazing experience that I think anyone could ever experience. I don't want to steal that from you. I want you to experience that joy. So we're going to work on this next week and be really serious about living out our calling and our identity. So let me close with this. I'll have the worship team come. Two, two final thoughts, okay, two final thoughts. Final thought number one is this. Spiritual, or excuse me, yeah, spiritual CPR is a process, okay? Spiritual CPR is a process. This p- cultivating, planning, or even, I want you to think of it as a process, okay? That we start here and we move down here. How long does it take? I don't know. It's, we're, we're talking about people. It's not, they're not a project. This isn't homework, This isn't like some weird little churchy thing we're doing. Uh, We're talking about loving people and doing the most important thing you could ever do for people, introducing them to Jesus. And so some people's hearts are really hard. (laughs) They're going to take years. Some people might not ever say yes to Jesus. And so how long does it take? I don't know, but I just want you to know it's a process. Let me encourage you with some interesting statistics. First is this, that the average person needs to hear the good news, the gospel of Jesus, seven times before they say yes to Jesus Christ. Seven times before they trust Jesus. They need to hear it, right? You hear it, the first, remember the first time you heard it? Like it didn't click, right? Especially if you grew up in some other kind of religiosity and you thought you were good to go, but now they're talking about faith in Jesus and like, wait, I don't have to be good. No, no, it's that, well, it's different. Like it takes hearing the good news about Jesus seven times before somebody gets it, their head and their heart aligned together. The second thing is that not only do they need to hear it seven times, but the average person needs to then come in contact with 5.3 other different people who are all believing the same thing. So they don't just think you're just the religious nut job, but oh, there's others that, oh, and there's another that believes this, and there's an, oh, there's another that believes that. And so this is a process. And sometimes you're number seven, and you get to be the one that is there to share the good news. And sometimes you're person one, and you're just getting shot down. And that's okay, right? Here's principle number two, reminder number two about all this, is that not only is it a process, but it is a supernatural process, 
right? This is a supernatural process, all right? Here's, here's um, my Greek theta for the theos, for God, right? God is involved in this whole process, God is involved in this whole process. Remember, I don't want to make you raise your hand again, but we raised our hands and we said, we save nobody. I don't change anyone's heart. I don't convince anyone. I don't convert anyone. I don't change anyone. You know what my responsibility is? Go. That's our responsibility is to go. And so this is a supernatural process where you and I get to partner with the God of the universe to be his plan A. There is no backup plan. And he's going to use broken people to go reach other broken people. And it's an amazing thing to partner with the God of the universe. It's going to be an amazing faith ride. For many of us, it's a faith ride because it's way outside our comfort zones. And you've bought into the lies far too long and say, it's just not my thing. And God is telling you now, no, it is your thing. And so, um, yeah, you guys can take this away. Thank you for waiting patiently. Um, let, me, let me say this. Last, last thing, for real, last, last thing. I, I, I do believe God is trying to awaken his church to the mission that he's left us here with. And I do believe time is short. And if you stop and you think about what I'm about to say, I, I pray it urges you to move. Is that for those who don't know Jesus, the spiritually lost people of the world, this earth is the closest thing they will ever experience to heaven. Because God's people are here and his church is here as representatives, but that's the closest they will ever get unless they say yes to Jesus Christ. And so it should awaken us to be about what God has called us to be about. Conversely, on the flip side, for those of you who have said yes to Jesus Christ, is this earth is the closest thing that you and I will ever experience of hell. Because we are guaranteed an eternal security because of Jesus, who our Savior is, that we have a future home, we have a future reward that we will spend forever with Jesus because of Jesus. And so this is not our home. And we can move confidently here, not caring what people think about us in this strange land. And so keep praying for God to give you that heart that you might step into your calling and your identity.